Welcome to Murder Bucket. I'm your host, Hannah, and this is the podcast where I dive deep into murders, paranormal activity, abductions, kidnappings, and weird stuff. Let's see what I'm going to pull out of the bucket this week. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome to another wonderful Tuesday. Are you ready for the Unification Church Part 2? We are going to be talking about their core beliefs, the blessing ceremony, how they perform funerals, and so much more. Let's do our week-slash-weekend recap really quick so we can get into tonight's episode, because i I am very excited. The only significant thing that really happened this past week was my husband and I decided it would be so much fun Friday evening after work to put three dressers together. Now, you would think it wouldn't take very long. But we started about 6 o'clock maybe and didn't finish until 1 o'clock in the morning. So we were so tired. Saturday, we hung around the house, didn't really do a whole lot besides, you know, the normal laundry and cleaning up. And then we had some friends over because my husband is really into wrestling and the Royal Rumble was on Saturday. So of course we had to watch it. But if you know me, I'm not that into wrestling and I ended up falling asleep at 10 o'clock on the couch And it wasn't over until about 1 o'clock in the morning. So I missed the majority of it, which I'm fine with. Not a big deal. Sunday was the typical, we go to church, we go out to lunch with some of our friends, and then we just came home and chilled. Monday wasn't all that exciting, except for the fact that I got a new computer monitor at my work. So now I have split screen. And yes, while that might not excite you, it does excite me because I'm a little techie and I'm the little like IT person in our office before you actually call the real IT people. And I just love it so much. And now it's Tuesday and we have an episode to get to. The Unification Church Part 2. According to FamilyFed.org, the official Unification Church website, these are their core beliefs. God is first and foremost our heavenly parent, encompassing both male, female, mother, and father. As it says in Genesis 1.27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. A parent wishes for their child to become better, more capable, happy, and creative than themselves. God is not a distant, removed supernatural being, but our original parent who feels, who loves, and is in deep pain due to our suffering. 
humanity lost all connection to the divine and each other. Our responsibility is to bring comfort to God's heart by restoring that personal relationship to God and each other. We believe that we are one family with God. The True Parents True means that we are so one with God on a personal level that we do all things with consideration of God's perspective. True is a level of heart that we are all meant to achieve. The original human couple were meant to become the first true parents and raise a family with God's love as a source centered on this love, but that didn't happen. A relationship with God was broken. God has been searching for a couple who could stand in that position to repair that relationship. We believe this couple is the Reverend Sung Myung Moon and Dr. Hak Yan Han Moon. The Divine Principle is a transformative worldview written for a new age. It focuses on individual spiritual growth and development from a perspective rooted in God. The Divine Principle helps us to understand who we truly are and what we can do to search the innate potential that God has always intended for us. The Divine Principle presents a unique story of God working through the Bible and world history, the purpose of which is to reawaken each person's understanding of their divine contribution to bringing the world back into God's family. And finally, the blessing. The marriage blessing is a worldwide tradition where couples dedicate or rededicate their marriage to a greater purpose and God. Mass marriages are becoming more popular around the world, and we are proud to say that we have led this effort for over 50 years. The marriage blessing offers a path to build a world of stronger marriage and healthier families. By receiving the marriage blessings, we can relate directly to God as our heavenly parent and as God's sons and daughters and as God's family. Now, I want to get into the divine principle just a little bit more because of how important it is to the church. The divine principle lays out the core of Unification Church's theology. The church's believers hold this to the status of Holy Scripture. It follows the format of systematic theology, which includes God's purpose in creating human beings, the fall of man, and the restoration. Many Christian authors and theologians have criticized the church's view of Jesus. Walter Martin and Ravi Zacharias both disagreed with the divine principle on the issues of divinity of Christ, the virgin birth of Jesus, the church's belief that Jesus should have married, a literal resurrection of Jesus, and a literal second coming. Walter and Ravi stated that moon makes all men equal in divinity to Jesus thereby striking a blow at the uniqueness of Christ. Now here is the divine principle stance on this. There is no greater value than that of a person who has realized the ideal of creation. This is the value of Jesus, who surely attained the highest imaginable value. The conventional Christian belief in Jesus' divinity is well-founded because as a human being, Jesus is totally one with God. To assert that, Jesus is none other than the man who has completed the purpose of creation, and it does not degrade the value of Jesus in the least. 
Now, unification theologian Young Un Kim wrote this in an article in 1980. Unification theology teaches that Jesus came to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. As St. Paul wrote, Jesus was to be the new Adam restoring the lost Garden of Eden. For this purpose, he chose 12 apostles, symbolizing the original 12 tribes of Israel, and sent out 70 disciples, symbolizing all the nations of the world. Like John the Baptist, Jesus proclaimed that the long-awaited kingdom of heaven was at hand. Jesus was appointed God's earthly representative in order to subjugate Satan, cleanse men of original sin, and free them from the power of evil. Christ's mission involved liberation from sin and raising mankind to the perfection stage. His purpose was to bring about the kingdom of heaven in our world with the help of men filled with divine truth and love. Jesus' goal was to restore the Garden of Eden, a place of joy and beauty in which true families of perfected parents would dwell with God in a full relationship of reciprocal love. The church also believes that Zechariah was the father of Jesus, and they base this on the work of English Christian theologian in the liberal Protestant tradition, Leslie Weatherhead. If you would like to read more regarding the divine principle that was written by Moon, they have an entire book published on their website, and I will post that link in our show notes. Let's move on to something that the church calls Tangam. Tangam is a core word of the divine principle part two. While its original meaning is remission, Moon explains the definition like this. Forgiving a large amount of debt under small conditions. God always sets small conditions so that everyone has the opportunity to receive salvation and to settle on the condition of a certain sacrifice. Condition of forgiveness is a thankful amnesty to us because 95% is God's responsibility and 5% is human responsibility. In the Unification Theology, Young Un Kim wrote that God cannot redeem man without man's cooperation and man cannot be restored to his original status without God's constant help. Professor Emeritus of Kanda University of International Studies, Kim Dong-Joon, stated that their definition was a complete mistake. The meaning of Tangam is remission, not indemnity. What is indemnity? I had no idea what it was until I started researching this church. Christian theology defines indemnity or justification as this. God's righteous act of removing the condemnation, guilt, and penalty of sin, but grace while at the same time declaring the unrighteous to be righteous through faith in Christ's atoning sacrifice. In the context of unification theology, they define it as a part of the process by which human beings and the world are restored to God's ideal. They have three types of indemnity conditions. Number one, equal conditions pay back the full value of what was lost. An example from the Bible is found in Exodus 21, 23-25. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. 
Number two, lesser conditions provide a benefit greater than the price that is paid. Faith, baptism, and Eucharist are mentioned as examples of lesser indemnity conditions. And number three, greater conditions come when a person fails in a lesser condition. A greater price must be paid to make up for earlier failures. Radio and television evangelist Bob Larson stated that Moon's doctrine of sinless perfection by indemnity, which can apply to even deceased ancestors, is a denial of the salvation by grace offering through Jesus Christ. In last week's episode, I mentioned that in the 1970s and the 1980s, that the unification movement sponsored the International Conference on the Unity of Sciences. This was to promote the concept of unity of science and religion. Of course, the divine principles have something to say about this. It's written that religion and science, each their own spheres, have been the methods of searching for truth in order to conquer ignorance and attain knowledge. Eventually, the way of religion and the way of science should be integrated and their problems resolved in one united undertaking. The two aspects of truth, internal and external, should develop full consonants. During the first conference, which was held in 1972, there were 20 participants. Ten years later, in 1982, there were well over 808 participants from over 100 countries in attendance. In 2002, Jonathan Wells, a member of the church, brought them back into public attention when he wrote the book titled Icons of Evolution. In this book, he criticizes the paradigm of evolution by attacking how it is taught. Many of the scientists who have work that is sourced in this book have written rebuttals to Wells, stating that they were quoted out of context and that their work has been misrepresented. Before we continue, let's hear a word from tonight's sponsor. Thank you to Simply Earth for sponsoring tonight's episode. Before I received my Simply Earth's essential oil recipe box, I had no idea how to use essential oils. I saw many of my friends using them, but never got the courage to try them out as I felt like they were too complicated. Did they confuse you like they did me? Did you invest a bunch of money in oils that you don't know how to use? With Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box, you will be able to gain confidence and clarity in using essential oils that will help make your home toxin-free. Here's how it works. Receive the recipe box with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and a whole bunch of extras. Learn how to use your essential oils while making the recipes created by certified aromatherapists. Save money and detoxify your life. And buy from a company that changes the world. Since Simply Earth gives 13% of all profits to end human trafficking around the world. You can detoxify your home and be a part of changing others' lives. I've been able to make fun products that detoxify my home while also learning safe ways to use my essential oils. After having my daughter, my hormones have been out of whack. I've been using the Clary Sage Roll-On. It's pregnancy safe, cat safe, and dog safe. Over the years, I've been researching the best aluminum-free deodorant. While there are so many recipes on the internet, they all seem just so complicated. 
Simply Earth has a fresh natural deodorant in their essential oil recipe box that is so simple, smells fantastic, and feels incredible. You might be asking yourself this. Simply Earth's essential oils are affordable, but are they actually 100% pure? The answer is, their oils are GC and MS tested by a third party to ensure purity. Their oils are 100% pure and come from the best farms all over the world. They are tried and tested by in-house certified aromatherapists. The essential oils alone would cost you over $100 from other companies. But with the Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box, you get four pure oils, six recipes, and extra ingredients for only $39. And when you subscribe, you get a free big bonus box with even more natural goodies. Have fun making your home toxin-free with Simply Earth's Essential Oil Recipe Box. Plus, Get a free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe by going to simplyearth.com slash murderbucket. Let's get into the blessing ceremony. The purpose of the ceremony is a direct and perfect manifestation of a profound theology and worldview. The church believes that all the problems on earth, from the Gulf War to child abuse to the crumbling school systems, are fruits of the fact that self-interest crept into the family, the love between husband and wife, reproductive affairs, and parent and child relationships. Moon is quoted in an article saying this about the blessing ceremony. Then what is the ultimate reason why we need to do it? Is it because our human ancestors fell? If our first ancestors had not fallen, it would not be necessary for us to receive the blessing. But we have to reverse the fallen process. We have no other way to return to God's realm of authority than through a course that restores the fall. That is why human beings until now have pursued religion, for this is a direction and purpose of human history. As previously stated in last week's episode, the first ceremony had 36 couples, and was held in Seoul, South Korea. Moon and his wife Han performed this ceremony. BFM.FamilyFed.org states that it all starts with a vision. A direct quote from the True Parents says this, Marriage is more than a simple coming together of man and wife. It is a precious ceremony of commitment to carry on God's work of creation. Marriage is a path by which a man and a woman become as one, create new life, and establish true love. Through marriage, a new future is created. Societies are formed, nations are built. God's world of peace is realized with married families at the center. It is in the family that God's kingdom of heaven is brought about. I consider the blessing to have been the most precious gift in my life. For you, also, the greatest gift in human history is the blessing. Couples that have been blessed by Moon have been allowed to arrange marriages for their own children without his direct guidance. There are several trainings and workshops that you must go through in order to fully understand the value of the blessing, to become a candidate, and learn why marriage is the key to building God's kingdom. These are their traditional steps for completing the sanctity of the blessing ceremony. 
Number one, the chastening ceremony. The couple will strike each other three times to symbolically make an end to sin and prepare for a new beginning. Number two, the holy wine ceremony. The couple shares a cup of holy wine symbolizing their engrafting into God's sinless lineage. Number three, the holy blessing ceremony. The couple exchange vows. These are the vows that they have to say. To become a true man or woman who practices sexual purity and lives for the sake of others. To become a true husband or wife who respects true parents' example and establishes an eternal family which brings joy to God. To become a parent who educates his or her children to follow the tradition of true love for the sake of the family and the world. To create an ideal family which contributes to world peace. A prayer is then offered by the officiators. The couple is then sprinkled with holy water. Number four. The separation period. The couple refrains from having sexual relations for a period before consummating or reconsummating their marriage. This period can be 40 days or longer. And number five, the three day ceremony. The couple begins or rebegins their married life in a highly symbolic ceremony over three days, which is considered to reverse the fall of Adam and Eve. Research psychologist Robert Epstein states in a scientific report that whatever anyone wants to say about the Unification Church, the marital aspect seems to work. The church teaches that romantic love leads to sexual promiscuity, mismatched couples, and dysfunctional societies. Due to the church's blessing ceremonies, the Unification Movement has affected the demographic map of mono-ethnic Korea. South Korea has become a problem with gender imbalance, meaning that there is a disparity between male and females in the population. Because of this, there is a shortage of marriage-able women. The practice that Moon has with matching couples is not common in the Christian tradition or in modern Western culture. In the beginning, Moon only allowed church members to take part in the blessing ceremony. That was until he changed that in the 1990s by allowing non-church members to take part. This extension led to a large increase in attendance in the ceremonies. And because the attendance number jumped so high so quickly, ministers of other faiths, including Judaism and Islam, served as co-officiators. In 2009, there were 40,000 couples in attendance for the blessing ceremony. When Moon started to allow non-church members to participate in the ceremonies, current church members were angry because non-members had not gone through the same courses that they had to go through. Let's move on to how the Unification Church does funerals. The Unification Church holds funeral ceremonies in high regards, just like the blessing ceremony. They believe that the purpose for this is to aid the deceased person in their transition to the spirit world and to celebrate their life among family and friends. The divine principle says, Man upon his death, after his life in the visible world, goes to the invisible world in a spiritual body 
having taken off his clothes of flesh. They claim that family and other relationships continue after death. The church does not believe in reincarnation or eternal damnation. Unification theologian Young Un Kim is quoted saying this, You and I are going to live forever. What does immorality signify? We are thinking animals and loving creatures. Those two facilities show our kinship to the eternal God. They make us part of the infinite spirit world. We will think, we will love forever. Thus, our wisdom will continually grow and our love can be enriched more and more. This is what Swedenborg taught. There will be no sharp break between life here and life hereafter. What we start here continues in quality and expands infinitely. The ever-living God creates each of us to have fellowship with him forever. The funeral ceremonies consist of three separate parts. Number one is the Gui Huan ceremony, or returning to joy, which is a farewell prayer service held by family members and close friends. Number two, the Siang Hua ceremony, is a public ceremony that celebrates the person's life. It features songs, testimonies, and an address done by the church pastor. And number three, the Huanjian ceremony is the traditional burial service. The deceased person is buried in a holy robe with a copy of the divine principle. Their coffin is draped with a unification flag. Moon states that the ceremony should be a joyful atmosphere because they are celebrating the person's life and their transition to the spirit world. It's requested that white or light-colored clothing is worn rather than the traditional black. The church highly disregards anyone being cremated except for those church members in Japan, as it is required by law. Now, I had to look this up because it did sound so strange to me, but unfortunately, I couldn't find a definitive answer And the only thing I really could find was on wikipedia.com that says that cremation is mandatory in most parts of Japan. It says that after death, 24 hours must pass before cremation can take place, unless the cause of death is communicable infection. The local governments own and maintain most crematoriums and thus profit minimally from cremation costs. Now, there are several unification cemeteries or sections of existing facilities that have been established in South Korea, the United Kingdom, and the United States. And the last thing we are going to discuss in part two is the scholarly studies. American sociologist John Laughlin lived with HSA UWC missionary Yong Ung Kim and several American members in the early 1960s. He would study their activities in trying to promote their beliefs and win new members. Many of their efforts were very ineffective. He noted that the people that did join did so because of personal relationships with other members. In 1964, he published his findings in a doctoral thesis titled The World Savers, a field study of cult processes, as well as a book in 1966 titled Doomsday Cult, a study of conversion, proselytization, and maintenance of faith. 
professor of philosophy at Panama College and minister in the United Church of Christ, Frederick Sontage, visited with HSA UWC members in North America, Europe, and Asia for 10 months. He was even able to interview Moon at his home in New York State. He published a book titled Sung Myon Moon and the Unification Church that provided an overview of the divine principle as well as his findings. When he did an interview with the United Press International, he compared HSA UWC with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elaine Barker published a book titled The Making of a Mooney, which was based on her seven-year study of HSA UWC members in the United Kingdom and the United States. Lawrence Lanacone, a specialist in the economics of religion, wrote that her book was one of the most comprehensive and influential studies of the process of conversion to new religious movements. In 1998, socialist Irving Horowitz questioned the relationship between the HSA, UWC, and scholars that were paid to conduct research on their behalf. Next week, in our final part, we will talk about the death of Sung Myung Moon and the legacy of the church after his death, as well as a cult leader and their experience, a member who was able to escape what they called a dangerous New Age cult, and so much more. Normally, right now, I tell you that this is the end of the episode, and thank you for listening, and please check out this promo from one of my podcast friends. And I'll get to that in a second, but I'm going to share with you a new segment we are going to be doing on the first episode of each month. And the new segment is called, drumroll please, True Crime News Corner. I promised to have a better intro to that in March, but because this is the first one, that's all you get right now. But anyways, during the True Crime News Corner segment, we are going to be discussing all the true crime news that happened the previous month. So tonight, we're going to be talking about a few things that happened in January. Almond Arbery was murdered by Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, and William Bryan on February 23rd, 2020. As you know, on November 24th, 2021, Travis was found guilty of malice murder, four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit a felony. His dad, Gregory McMichael, was found guilty on four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit a felony. Their friend, William Bryan, was found guilty of three counts of felony murder, one count of aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit a felony. On January 7, 2022, Travis McMichael was sentenced to count one, life without parole, count seven, 20 years, and count nine, five years. So he received life without parole plus 20 years. Gregory McMichael was sentenced on count two to life without parole, count seven, 20 years, count eight, 10 years, so life without parole plus 20 years. William Bryan was sentenced for count three 
life with the possibility of parole, count eight, 10 years, and count nine, five years. So life with the possibility of parole. William Allen Durst was an American convicted murderer, suspected serial killer, and real estate heir. He was the son of New York City real estate magnate Seymour Durst and the elder brother of Douglas Durst, head of the Durst organization. Robert Durst gained attention after the unsolved 1982 disappearance of his wife, Kathleen McCormick, the 2000 murder of his lifelong friend, Susan Berman, for which he was convicted in September of 2021, and the 2001 killing of his neighbor, Morris Black, in Galveston, Texas, for which he was acquitted in 2003, although he was convicted of tampering with evidence for dismembering Black and dumping his body parts in Galveston Bay. Robert Durst died on January 10, 2022, at the age of 78. At the time of his death, Durst was awaiting trial on a fresh charge for the murder of his wife, Kathleen McCormick Durst, 39 years after her disappearance. Sergio Mitri, a Mexican-American former professional baseball pitcher, played for the Chicago Cubs between 2003 and 2005, the Florida Marlins between 2006 and 2007, the New York Yankees between 2009 and 2010, the Milwaukee Brewers in 2011, and the New York Yankees again in 2011. He was arrested in 2019 while playing on a team in the Mexican Baseball League for suspicion of assaulting a woman. Those charges were dropped. In 2020, he was arrested again for possession of marijuana. He was charged with femicide, which is a hate crime term broadly defined as the intentional killing of women or girls because they are female. An aggravated statutory rape over the death of his girlfriend's 22-month-old daughter. The rape charge was dropped. On January 20th, 2022, he was convicted and sentenced to 50 years in prison for killing his girlfriend's 22-month-old daughter. Damien Eccles and his legal team have moved forward in the hopes of clearing his name in the infamous West Memphis 3 case. A petition was filed on January 24, 2022 to test any DNA evidence on the shoestrings that were used to tie up the boys that were killed. The legal team was always told that the majority of the evidence in the case was either lost, misplaced, or destroyed in a fire. It wasn't until after West Memphis Police Chief Michael Pope resigned in late December that the evidence was found. A statement from the police department says that Chief Pope's resignation is completely unrelated to the West Memphis Three rumors being sent out on social media. We have no vested interest in trying to withhold any evidence from anyone on either side. We will fully comply with any lawful request made regarding this case. Now, I'm not exactly sure when this happened or when this lawsuit was filed, but it did pop up on my newsfeed and I wanted to share it with you. 23-year-old Shane Lee Brown is suing the Las Vegas and Henderson Police Department, as well as several officers after he was put in jail for six days, instead of a convicted felon, 49-year-old Shane Neal Brown. His lawsuit states that the Henderson Police Department confused 
Shane Lee with Shane Neal, even though Shane Neal is four inches taller, has a beard, and is white. He is suing them for negligence, emotional distress, false imprisonment, and violation of civil rights, as well as asking for $500,000 in damages. Tiger King had a resentencing hearing on Friday, January 28th of 2022. During his hearing, he pleaded with a judge saying, please don't make me die in prison waiting for a chance to be free. A federal judge resentenced him to 21 years. That only shaved off one year of his original 22-year sentence. He appealed the original sentencing last year, claiming that there were errors made on behalf of the court, and this was the reasoning for his resentencing hearing. And finally, on January 31st, 2022, Travis and Greg McMichael, the father and son who were charged and convicted in killing Ahmed Arbery, reached a plea agreement with federal prosecutors. This agreement means that they will serve their first 30 years of their sentences in a federal prison instead of a Georgia state prison. And this ends tonight's episode. I hope you have enjoyed everything I have shared with you, including our new segment, The True Crime News Corner. Before you go, please take a moment to listen to this promo from my friends at Coffee, Wine, and True Crime Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Sarah, one of the hosts of Coffee, Wine, and True Crime. Each week, Jordan and I sit down with drinks in our hand and break down the most wild, unheard of cases in each state. Check us out each Monday on wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CWATC Podcast and on Instagram at Coffee, Wine, and True Crime Podcast. And if you really want to make our day, make sure to leave us a review. So grab a drink and join us on Monday. We'll see you there. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you have enjoyed tonight's episode. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at Murdbucket, Twitter at The Murder Bucket, and Facebook at Bucket Murd. Check out weekly posts regarding new episodes and chime in on the weekend slash week recaps. I would love to get to know you better. Have a great day.